We are pleased to announce that this is our first episode where our guest plays live music on the show. Our guest this episode is a native Californian who began playing piano at age four. He soon transitioned to guitar, bass guitar, and then by age 14, he had decided on an eight-string guitar as his primary instrument. Our guest is a full-time musician, primarily playing solo gigs on his eight-string guitar, with which he simultaneously plays bass, chords, melody, and fills. He has a passion for the blues, which is evident in all of his playing. He writes and performs originals and creates unique arrangements of cover tunes, embracing a wide variety of genres, from the 70s, the 80s, and 90s, all the way up to today's music. We are so pleased to welcome our guest, a hardworking musician with incredible chops, Nate Lopez. Welcome to Meaningful Musical Conversations, where we have heart-to-heart talks about music and life. I'm Jill Minier. And I'm excited. I'm Daniel. (laughs) Uh, We have Nate Lopez here in the room, and I promised myself I wouldn't fangirl over you too much. But uh, the fact is... please. Yeah. This is good. This is good for the ego. I'm I'm, I'm excited for it. Good. So I'll just fangirl a little bit here. So Nate Lopez um, is a guitar player uh, who plays eight-string guitars mostly these days. And just as a fellow guitar player, it's like watching you do your thing. It's like, oh, geez, I have a lot to learn from and a lot (laughs) of, you know, just really inspiring stuff. We'll get more into that. But basically, thank you so much for... For coming out today, first of all. Oh yeah, no problem. It's it's a pleasure to be on here, and I like talking about music and talking to other people. So this is no problem. That's really cool. That's like the greatest compliment you can get is to be inspiring. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the main reasons I think we do anything is yes. to, to to fulfill <clears throat> ourselves. But to inspire someone else is like that's the greatest. That's the greatest thing. So thanks. That's Agreed. Great. No, it's absolutely true. Um, yeah, there's a lot I learned from you just watching you play. It's like, oh yeah, I should go work on some of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, we all it's, should. it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, so Nate, I just to let our listeners know right away, I'm wondering if you want to say something a little <clears throat> bit about playing the eight string guitar and what that involves, and then maybe we can have like a little sample, maybe even a live sample. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, eight string <clears throat> guitar is a lot of fun. Uh, and back when I started playing it, all you had to do was say eight string guitar, and he'd be like, "What's that?" Yeah. And then you explain to him, "Oh." I'm playing a half bass, half guitar instrument. It's got three bass strings tuned E-A-D like a bass and then five guitar strings tuned A-D-G-B-E like a guitar. Separate outputs and then I play them live without looping and funky instrumental type of stuff. that, so it was pretty easy. Now you say eight-string guitar and everybody assumes you're playing metal yeah. and you're just playing around to track. So it's a little different. Uh, but yeah, I, I pretty much exclusively play the eight-string guitar and I do about 90, 95% of my gigs solo mm-hmm. uh, without looping or any drum machines or anything like that. Wow. So, uh, so, so yeah, it's, there's a lot to it. Um, it's instrumental as well, like I think I said. So, so that's interesting. So um, it's definitely a lot of work, uh, but it's a lot of fun and a lot of spontaneity to it. You know, it would be easier to loop a six-string guitar and have an octave pedal and sing some lyrics and just do some chords. And, and you can get some fantastic music doing that. But I personally, you got to satisfy yourself and, yeah. and do the music that you hear in your head and that kind of thing. So, uh, so yeah, I've been really drawn to the eight-string. The only time I do a six-string is if I'm, you know, sitting in with another group or mm-hmm. that's kind of what's available in the room at the time and we're yeah. jamming. But other than that, it's pretty exclusively eight right. strings. So I, I think that's part of what I find so inspiring is that, so 
basically the idea, the concept is that you have more range. You're basically a full instrument. You're a full band. And you kind of, not only are you using like the bass strings to be a bass player, but you're also being very percussive. So you're Mm. also adding elements of sort of, you know, like a drum. Basically, you're a one man band with a guitar, you know, and (laughs) that's what's inspiring is you can walk up there and, you know, as guitar players were jealous that a pianist could walk into a room and play, you know, like a bar forever on their own. But now you can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 the thing. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um, really, and you talk about the extended range. It's really all about having that um that bottom, which is really what makes the music. It defines the groove of the music. So you know, the you can be playing your chords, or whatever. But if the bass player is playing it like it's a polka. Mm-hmm. Then, then you're playing a polka. Mm-hmm. If the bass player is walking and swinging it, then you're swinging it. So the bass has so much control over the type of vibe that's happening that um, I didn't really want to give that up. I started playing just four string bass and then five string bass and wanted to add some more melody notes. And I'm like, okay, why don't you just go to guitar? But every time I go to guitar, I lose control of the groove. Mm-hmm. I lose, lose so much control and I just didn't want to do that. Yeah, so when you were playing the guitar, would you play with a uh, bass player? You'd have a bass player there and you felt frustrated because um, it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, shaking, sure, sure, sure. Yes. Both, of those, <laughs> both of those things, yeah. So, so when playing guitar solo, I'd be frustrated that it was really hard to establish something that people would dance to, you know, mm-hmm. some, some sort of groove, some sort of pocket because um, the, there just wasn't that weight there. And then when you're playing with a bass player, the weight is there. As a bass player of so many years, I'm like, oh, not like that. Mm-hmm. You know, let's do it like that. You. And that's more the control freak. Um, of course, when you get together with an amazing musician, it doesn't really matter what they play, but an amazing bass player, then, you, then, you can, then you're having a great musical conversation and you're not saying, oh, I would have done this differently or I would have played louder, I would have played quieter, I would have played less, I would have played more. You're not worried about that. But sometimes it can be, if you're not locked up uh, and in sync with that musician, then it can be frustrating sometimes. So, yeah, I don't want to give up that bass. I'm the bass player. What do you mean mm-hmm. give up the bass? <laughs> like, so, uh, so, yeah, it's, always, it's a lot of fun. Wow. Huh. So did you start with the bass or um, that was your first instrument that you played? Yeah, I, I played piano when I was a little kid. Uh, I took lessons when I was like four or five and, and they told me to do this and read the music and play The Mary Had a Little Lamb. And um, the way I was taught was just like taught, um, taught math or taught anything else. It wasn't taught to be expressive or to improvise or to do anything. They're like, okay, this is middle C. This is where you do it. If it looks like this, you hold it this long. If it looks like that, then you hold it this long. And there's the notes and there you go and that's it. Right. Um, so I found it very limiting and I didn't enjoy it at mm-hmm. all. Uh, so I, play, I played piano for a year or two, a couple of years, and then, and then kind of gave it up, just kind of passively played it here and there. But when I inherited a guitar um, from my uncle when I was about... 12 or so, 12 or 13, then I started to discover that you can bending strings mm. and that kind of thing. And then you can then you can actually play that Muddy Waters stuff that you're hearing. Because if you're trying to play Muddy Waters licks on the on a piano, for me, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You're just missing those things. Same thing with Indian music or anything like that that has that kind of, those in-between notes. And those are the notes, I, those, are, those are some amazing notes. I don't want to be limited to 12 notes. There's, there's at least twice as many out there. So... Um, so yeah, so I played guitar for a little bit, uh, but I realized I was picking out bass lines on this guitar that I inherited. So I decided I might as well just get a bass. I hear there is more need for a bass player than guitar player anyway. My buddy played guitar, so okay, cool. So I'll play bass. So I did that for many, many years. Doing uh, started off in school jazz band uh, and combos, and then uh, playing uh, in metal bands. And because uh, I was big into Metallica, Megadeth uh, back in the '90s and that kind of stuff, and Sabbath and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So did a lot of that metal stuff. And then uh, I played with a Latin band with David Korea and Cascada for a long time, for about seven, eight years, and recorded some albums, <clears> and that kind of thing. But 
eventually I just wanted to um, add more and more melody playing to the mm -hmm. bass. And this is before loopers existed, so that wasn't even an option to do that. Well, I mean, I guess there's been loopers since Jocko, and you can always take your reel-to-reel -reel machine and mm -hmm. do that. But, <laughs> but as far as these little boss all-in-one loop pedals, those didn't really exist. So, so the option was to maybe do a piccolo bass or do this and that. But then um, I saw Charlie Hunter playing, who plays this hybrid guitar, this eight-string guitar. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's for me. That's, mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me. I was already studying classical guitar technique on the bass, trying to get more voices out of it at the same time. I was always amazed at um, how you could hear this symphony, you know, by whomever, and then you could hear that symphony arranged for solo guitar. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yes. That's amazing that you can do so much with just these six strings. And bass is typically limited to one note or two notes at the same time, and that's about it. So, uh, so I was really interested in trying to get all those different voices happening at the same time. So uh, when I saw this this counterpuntal instrument, this eight-string hybrid guitar, that made a lot of sense to me. And I've been playing like that and playing with the same tuning and really haven't looked back for, I don't know, 10, 20 years. Wow. That is so cool. <laughs> well, I'm kind of dying to have you um, play a little bit something live, right? I mean, not live, technically live, but here with us right now. Sure, sure. Yeah, I got my, uh, I brought my Emerald uh, eight-string acoustic here so we can mic it up or we can plug it That'd in. Cool. And, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm down for that. Sweet. We'll, okay, we'll take great. just a little pause here and we'll go get that. Mm -hmm. And so we're back. So Nate's got his big eight-string guitar. You want to talk to us about what, what you're holding right now? Sure, yeah. I've got a custom Emerald guitar here. This is Emer Emerald Guitars makes carbon fiber guitars out of Ireland, and they do really some fantastic uh, custom things. They have so much control over what they can do um, using carbon fiber rather than wood. You know, mm. they'll give you a crazy body shape. They'll give you whatever scale you want, however many strings you want. So I contacted them a few years ago about making me an acoustic, a proper acoustic guitar that has this split output. And uh, they did a really good job with this thing. This is uh, all carbon fiber, like I said, except for this quilted maple veneer on top that no one can see. It's <laughs> super pretty. Check out the website well, or yeah, anything it's like beautiful. that. Take a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. It's not bad. Um, kind of so, looks like if an orange went into a bath for too long and got wrinkly, <laughs> but in a beautiful way. That's that's how I describe I like that. I'm going to put that on my bio. Yeah. <laughs> Playing a wrinkly orange from Northern California, Nate Lopez comes out. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, important. You know, this is a it's a fun instrument here. It's got offset sound hole. It's a fanned fret. All my instruments are fanned fret, where it's a longer scale for the bass strings than it is for the guitar strings. And uh, like I mentioned, it's tuned E A D, and then A D G B E, with separate outputs, separate saddles here. So then I can put reverb and EQ through just the guitar side and put distortion and delay on the bass or nothing on the bass is usually the case and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun instrument to play. Cool. Does that make sense? A lot of fun instrument to play? Sure. A lot of fun instrument. I mean, there is a lot of instrument. There. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And it's good that you like all of it and not... <laughs> it's true. Yes. Not just some of it. Yeah. All-inclusive love for the, uh, the eight-string here, yeah. So why don't you walk us through like how you construct sort of playing a tune in your style then? So kind of all the elements of... Oh, what that's an interesting question. That's great. Um, I do a. I, I try and write my own tunes because I think that's really where where it's at. You know, every, there's so many. There's so much music out there. You want to hear the individual. You don't want to hear a copy of a copy of a copy. Of but at the same time, it's also fun to play cover tunes. It's mm -hmm. fun to play songs. And one of the best things I think about arranging tunes, cover tunes, is that you can play them how you want to. So so often you can take a song that you thought was poppy and happy and be like, well, what if we took away that kind of 80s production to it? And what if we slowed it down? What if we put a little bit of a swing to it and make it more of a blues tune or make it a Latin tune or whatever? So, um, 
So there's like a Michael Jackson tune that I do that's more of a blues. There's a Cyndi Lauper tune that I do kind of as a slow blues. And, mm. and, or you can funkify different tunes. So, so, so to answer your question, the melody is probably the most important part where you're taking from a song. Um, so if there's not a good melody, and you, sometimes you're taking your, you'll hear a song on the radio and you're like, oh man, I love that song, I, I want to play that song. And you strip away the lyrics and you strip away everything, and you're like, oh wow, that's just one note. Right. You know, that melody and it's just all talking, it's just all lyrics. So, um, okay, time for a different song. Or, or you try and, <laughs> try and really create the feeling of that track uh, through a really good bass line or really good harmonies mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And that can, so there's a lot of different challenges for it. Mm. But yeah, I'll take the melody, uh, try and pull out as much melody as I want. And I think it's important for instrumentalists to, to really take the melody from a singer. Take the breath, take the... Uh, take the inflections from a singer, not just another instrumentalist, because you've got, singers don't really think about it so much, they just kind of sing. Yeah. They don't, so they have such a tremendous freedom with um, timing and the rhythm of the vocals and really putting it in interesting ways, interesting places, and in so many interesting inflections with vibrato, no vibrato, uh, loud to quiet. You know, as, as guitar players, we can't play a loud note and make it more quiet or more loud without effects. Once you play the note, that's it. It just dissipates. And you can stop it, but you can't significantly quiet down. You can't significantly um, gotcha. amp up the volume. Yeah, yeah as opposed to like that. a trumpet or a violin, yeah. you can press harder into the string and you can get more of that sound. You can kind of have a never-ending sound if you want. Uh, but you can't really do that with a guitar. So there's so many different limitations. So I think it's especially important with a stringed instrument like a guitar to take from the vocalist. So, so like when I'm playing a song like Crazy or something from Willie Nelson, I'll take I'll, you know, do I want to play the Patsy Cline version? Do I want to play the Willie Nelson version? Any version is going to be my version, but I'm always thinking of, of a specific vocalist and specific inflections that make that song great. Okay. Well, I really want to hear you play Crazy. Will you play oh, Crazy for us and sure. then continue on with the um, explanation? I would love to hear Crazy. Are you sure, good with that, I love Danny? that. Just a little spot there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm a big fan of that song. I love um, that song. I love, I love blues songs, whether it's jazz blues, mm -hmm. rock blues, or country blues, uh, mm -hmm. in this case, I think. So this is, and Crazy is, an I'll play the song, but I like to talk about it. Um, uh, crazy, sure. uh, crazy is a really <laughs> neat song. It's one of those songs like Come Together, or I don't know, um, so, many, so many great tunes out there where there's only a handful of them, but you can go play it in a rock setting, you can play it in a jazz setting, you can play it in a country bar, you can play it in a folk music bar. Folk music bar? But you can play that, um, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just accepted as just this great song, and so you can do that. That helps as well with interpreting it, because it's so well in people's heads. But anyway, yeah. here's my arrangement of it.
All right. Wow. You can cut, cut that as much as you want, shorten it, oh, whatever, whatever awesome. you want. I don't care. That, that, that was, was fantastic. fantastic. We'll give, you, give you the short version through. So. Thank you, <laughs> wow. Nate. Oh, yeah. No, it's fun. It's a, it's a really fun tune. Uh, and I have a, I have the CD out, but I have a new CD out um, that I recorded in Nashville that should be coming out uh, as soon as I get around to promoting it enough to mm -hmm. release it. But that has that song on here. Oh, That's crazy. Because I was out in Nashville. I wanted to do, do some country stuff, oh, whether it's... yeah. Sweet. Remember Hank Williams or anything yeah. like that. So yeah. so yeah, it's a lot of fun. Really? Where can people pick that up? Where, uh, uh, let's see. The single is available for the new CD, um, new album. Now that's out right now on Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. Sorry. iTunes, no, just Apple Music and uh, mm -hmm. Amazon Music, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I have another solo CD that's also available on all the online platforms. Or if you contact me at Facebook or email, website, natelopez.com, I'll, I'll send you a physical copy as well if you yeah, want. Yeah, Wonderful. So I was pretty, I mean, I was just closing my eyes and hearing all the different <laughs> parts that you have going on. I mean, you're doing fills, like harmony fills, along with the melody and the bass line. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, try, trying to fill it up. And, wow. and that's one of the issues with, um, with doing any, any solo arrangements or, or painting. Like I was painting mm -hmm. last night using acrylics. And, uh, you know, when is it done? Mm -hmm. it, when is it enough? Do you want because complicated doesn't necessarily mean good mm -hmm. uh, in in any art. So uh, so yeah, it's always a it's always a fine line. You know, you want to you want to push the envelope and you want to practice to where you're able to do all the stuff. But then you have to go back and kind of live edit yourself. And you're like, oh, do I want to do that? Oh, there's no space in this tune right. or whatever. Which is interesting thing about space because I'm just my by myself. You know, I don't have drums. I don't have keyboards, I don't have backup singers, all that kind of thing. So you think there would be a lot of space anyway. But but when you're playing solo, you're kind of taking up all of that space as much as possible to a certain degree. Yeah, so cause because if you if you do leave a, a space in a song, it's not like you have drums going to keep the audience with you. Right. So you kind of have to keep a certain amount of things going to catch to to keep that groove happening to keep yeah. it happening. So, uh, so yeah, it's interesting. It's fun to try and do that. Yeah. So to answer your question about how how I arrange it, yeah, you take the melody, and then take the bass line, and then you're pretty much done if you have a good a decent bass line. Whether it's just a simple, mm -hmm. you know, whatever's appropriate, or just a single line, or something more complicated, uh, depending on how how complicated you can do it or how complicated you want to do it. Mm -hmm. So you got the top and you got the low. And then everything else is just kind of filler, as many little chords in there, filler mm -hmm. licks or whatever else you want to do. So, and then uh, and I, when I arrange a song, I'll play it you know, fast, faster than the original. I'll play it slower than the original and kind of mm -hmm. find that right pocket for how I want to do it. And then it'll also evolve as you're playing. You play it for a while and you're like, oh, I want to play this song really, really slow. But you find you get excited every time you play it. So you're like, oh, no, you know what? Let's just play this super fast. Let's, let's, it. let's just funk it and let's just do it. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things to think about. It. I, I do a lot of different tunes. You know, Crazy is an old Willie Nelson tune, but I'll also do Nirvana tunes and Otis Redding tunes. And I'm constantly trying to um, do arrangements of new songs that are on the radio because the kids these days are getting older and the kids are not just 10 years old or 15 years old now they're 20 30 years old and they're and and they have money and they're there at the uh, <laughs> at the event and they're they're the ones who are listening yeah. so you want to play music not just for yourself from music that you grew up with you know in the 80s 90s like I did mm. but you also want to play something modern um, what modern gigs. tunes do you have that yeah. you do um, I've got a handful of modern tunes and 
you know, what is modern? For me, anything modern is beyond the year 2000. Because mm. I haven't heard a big difference between 2000, 2010, and 2010 to 2020. I, haven't, I don't hear a decade difference. Like 70s music and 80s music is drastically different. Yeah. 80s and 90s is drastically different. And throughout recorded music, it's been a big, big jump every um, 10 years. So you have that decade. But I don't really, personally, I don't hear a big difference between 2001 music and 2015 music. I think it's very similar. So for me, any modern tunes, anything after 2000. So uh, to answer your question in a long way, uh, I, play, uh, I play Royals from Lord, yeah. Oh, yeah. which is a fun tune to do. Um, I do Havana, Unana. That's kind of a fun tune. Um, you know, throw in some Jack Johnson tunes, which is kind of cutting in right from the 90s to 2000s. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, I'll have to look at my sheets because I, I, I'm always trying to learn more tunes, but then different things come in the way. And you're like, oh, that's not... You strip away the modern tunes. And I find that more and more songs these days aren't really songs. Mm -hmm. They're just productions. And they're amazing productions and they, they're still legitimate um, pieces of art, you know, you can still listen to it and enjoy yourself. But if you strip away the drums, if you strip away the 10 layers of vocals, if you strip away the lyrics, you know, is there anything there? Mm -hmm. And I find that easy to find in music from the 60s and the 80s, especially those decades. I find it, there's just um, amazing songwriting and playing there. But I find it a lot harder these days for modern music to just pick something off, like to pick Billie Eilish off the radio and be like, okay, here we go. And another thing, um, you know, I'm playing these live gigs and I'm playing the songs for myself, but I'm also playing it for the people listening. I want to stoke the crowd. I want that mm -hmm. interaction back and forth. So I want to play something that they want to hear. Um, and I've sometimes I'll play a song that's really hip and really cool. And six months later, nobody knows it because it's not on the top of the charts anymore. Mm. And they're like, oh, no, I just want to hear the latest from Pitbull. I don't want to hear this, <laughs> whatever. You know, I don't want to hear that one tune that was, I don't want to hear, like, I, I, people will say, oh, can you play something new? Oh, cool. I've got this Britney Spears song. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, but that's that one Britney Spears song that was only popular for two months. Yeah. And now it isn't, doesn't go down in history. So I think you got to, with new songs, before you take the time to arrange it and do all that stuff, I think you should maybe see if it's going to stand the test of time. And there are some songs that do that, like... Um, some songs like, uh, what's that song by George Ezra? Um, Budapest is a really cool song that came out, what, five, ten years ago. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a handful of other songs that, uh, Gautier's song, uh, Somebody mm. That I Used To Know. Oh, yeah. I love that that's, song. That's, yeah. That, and, that, yeah. and you love that song, and that song's going to keep being on the radio in five years, ten right. years, and it still is now. But sometimes you'll play a song out there that's the latest hit from whatever, and and you work all this time, and by the time it's out there, people are like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that song. Right. I kind of mm -hmm. don't really remember that mm -hmm. song. So it's hard to, uh, to do modern tunes. It makes you just want to go back and do another Beatles tune or do, uh, do some Elvis or some Cyndi Lauper or something like that because yeah. that's, that's already st um, stood the test of time, and we know it's good music. It's just good music. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah, it can be hard. So, Nate, I'm really curious um, as to how you go about practicing a tune like how oh. what is your practice you know do you learn the bass line first do you I mean learn the melody first and how do you you do you practice them separately put them together how oh that's really fun these are great questions y'all should be on uh you should you should be on radio this is a fantastic <laughs> conversation um yeah I, I think I take practicing pretty seriously and I actually really enjoy practicing as well there's a lot of people who just hate practicing and all they want to do is play. And then, therefore, they don't get any better and they still can't do that F chord because they're just doing it once in a while for a jam. Uh, so I think metronome is really crucial, really mm -hmm. important. I'm a big fan of exercises. Just like if you want to be a pro basketball player, you're going to have to do laps. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just shooting. You're not just doing the coolest dunk move. You're not just dunk, you know, dribbling between your legs. 
you're doing free throws, drills like crazy, you're doing back and forth passing drills. So I think that's um, a good way to approach music as well. So I'll do the metronome and I'll do a lot of, uh, I've got a handful of things that I already do. I do chromatic exercises is probably one of the main things that I'll do. Just take maybe two strings and it doesn't have to be a purely chromatic, but kind of chromatic based, like a simple thing like. Doing that to a metronome, uh, making sure you can articulate everything. Mm -hmm. There's so many things you can practice when you're practicing any one thing. You can practice uh, volume, making sure you can play louder and quieter at the same tempo. Um, you can practice speed, see how fast, how slow you can do it. Uh, practice swinging it, not swinging it. And then when you're adding in the bass line, you can do so much. So um, to answer your question, I, I try and do everything all together at the same time as much as possible mm. because it's a very different process of uh, whether you're, if you're doing a bass line, you practice that for a while and you do the guitar line for a while, you can't necessarily put them together because the fingering doesn't work that way. Oh, With the piano, you've got a left hand, you can work yeah. that left hand. You can do the right hand separately and then you can kind of make the right. brains work together. Yeah. But the guitar is not that way. You're, you're fingering things completely differently okay. if you're doing it at the same time. So, I'll, so if doing that chromatic exercise, I'll do it while holding a bass line. and then alternating the bass line. Question. So just kind of moving the hands, warming yeah. up the hands a little. So question about, you know, how you, how you um, work with the metronome that mm -hmm. way. Do you, uh, you know, I know that when I was learning, you know, practicing the piano with a metronome, doing classical stuff, mm -hmm. I would, you know, put it to a certain tempo yeah. and then I had to um, go three times without missing mm. a note oh, and then right. I would move it up. I mean, do you have a, a system that you use with a metronome? No, I try and, you know, time is... Time is so relative, uh, so uh, I don't I don't do things a certain number of times. If if I do any kind anything a certain number of times, I base it on try and base it on breath mm -hmm. because a guitar, like so many instruments, is an instrument you don't need to actually breathe to play. So a lot of times you can hold your breath, which is not good for your playing, it's not good for your health, it's not good for inspiration, anything like that. <laughs> so if anything, I can set up a metronome and then do it an arbitrary beat number and then try and practice something for five breaths. Oh, interesting. Or 10 oh, breaths. Yeah. And then, wow. so you're trying to keep your breathing steady regardless of your tempo, whether it's slow or fast, and just being relaxed and being in the moment, having mm -hmm. good posture and doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then uh, and then as many times as you get through it is how many times you get through it. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a specific number. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you're very connected to your body and your breath while you're playing and really... You know, trying Try to, to relax. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a, always a work in progress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with metronome, I think you should always uh, listen to as little as possible. You know, don't just rely on that quarter note or eighth note click. Um, at least get it to a half note. And uh, I always try and put the metronome mm -hmm. beat on the off. So yeah. you're playing the one mm -hmm. um, as opposed to someone else playing that. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, it, it really helps establish your own um, faith and confidence that you can establish that one really, really well. Yeah. Like, for instance, here, I'll do this here for you. That kind of thing. So that's just like a, a basic exercise. Do that same kind of thing with scales. But I'll yeah. also do the same kind of thing with, with just grooving okay. and just practicing grooving for a while and just kind of making that, making that happen. So like... Mm -hmm. 
So oh, I'll nice. just kind of just groove whatever I'm feeling at the moment, whatever pocket I'm feeling, and just really try and lock that in and, and make it so it's actually happening. And then see how much you can do and how much melody you can add on to it and that kind of thing. And then also I'll practice songs eventually. But I gig a fair amount, so a lot of times I'll practice the songs at the gig. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm just mm -hmm. trying to make sure my hands work. I'm trying to make sure that I can actually hold a groove. And then as long as those things are in place, then the song itself is is just the specific notes, and that's kind of secondary. So I don't actually play songs and play songs through, which has got to be kind of rough for my animals and for my wife when I'm sitting there. <laughs> you know, you think, they're like, oh, it's so cool to be, you know, <laughs> live with the guitar player, and you're hearing all this beautiful music. I'm like, ah, they're hearing scales. Yeah, we're hearing the same thing. <laughs> they're kind of hearing that. Yeah. You know, once in a while, late at night, I'll play something, you know, a little more meditative, like some Indian-type music or, mm -hmm. or some slow blues and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But, but I very rarely will actually play a song from beginning to end at home. Right. Interesting. Absolutely. Very rarely. Mm. So. Um, so do you have any kind of um, structure in terms of your practice schedule? Like what you do during, like I'm going to hit this, this, and this on these days or how um, on purpose are you with Like that? leg day here, yeah. Yeah, arm day, whatever. Um, <laughs> what's your program? Right? Yeah, yeah your right. Program? Uh, it's program? Uh, yeah, I try and take that kind of thing as loosely as possible as well. It's I, I'm self-employed, so I'm not, you know, I'm doing as a, as a musician, so I'm not having. So it's it's nice that you don't have to go to a day job and mm -hmm. do that, but it also throws off a routine. You know, it's not like I'm working nine to five every day and then I get home, I make dinner, and then from seven to eight, I'm practicing this next. So, so I'm not doing that kind of thing. So you have to make your own schedule. So, and that's that's quite the discipline in itself. I think anybody who's self-employed, it's, it's hard to make yeah. sure you go to the gym. It's hard to make sure you walk the dog regularly. Make sure you eat at a regular time. All yeah. these kind of things are, totally are things you, I think you have to think about. So, uh, <laughs> so no, I don't. I don't do anything. I just kind of do whatever I'm in the mood to do. I think that's really important to stay stoked on whatever's happening. If you're in the mood to play just these old-timey blues, then just get into that and mm -hmm. really nail that. If you're in the mood to do some really cool Afro-Cuban Latin stuff, then maybe really work on the Montunos for a little bit this time. But whatever it is, I'm always going to work a little bit to warm up the hands, mm -hmm. to work up that chromatic kind of things or scale-type scale things, and always try and work on a metronome with groove. And then, But as far as what I'm playing... It really depends on whatever I'm stoked on at the moment. You know, I'll have, I, I like a lot of different types of music. I don't like all kinds of music, mm -hmm. but yeah. I do like a lot of different types of music. So I really make it stoked on Indian ragas for a while mm -hmm. and just kind of get on that for this week or for whatever. And, uh, and I may get, just get stoked on writing my own music or stoked on James Brown type stuff or whatever it happens yeah. to be. Uh, it's, it's not very specific. It's not very regimented. It's whatever I feel the need is in myself. Mm -hmm. right? and, and, and you have to be stoked on it because you're kind of, you know, you're, you're doing somewhat, something that's semi-boring. You're not rocking out in front of people. No. You're not doing your favorite licks. You're kind of doing this, this menial stuff. But it's, uh, so you have to stay stoked on it and have, have a good time with it, whatever it is. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think so. I want to I wanna ask you about your... Um, Writing your own tunes and how you, not so much about like the, I guess, guitar side of it, but mm -hmm. how do you come at it from a concept standpoint? Are you thinking, are you, are you thinking lyrics when you write your own thing? Or are you thinking kind of like an idea, a concept, a feeling? Like, I'm just kind of curious how you go about approaching your writing on that yeah, issue. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a really good question. It, it depends on on what is inspiring me to write the song. You know, am I over at the beach and just hearing something in my head? That's, that's great when it can just magically kind of come to you and you're open to this collective consciousness and you can just like, oh, I'm hearing the waves. Like I was in, I was in Maui and I was hearing, um, I was just sitting there at the beach just yeah. watching the surfers hanging out in this beautiful thing. And this kind of riff came to me, this... Mm -hmm. 
So just that kind yeah. of groove, and I'm like, oh, this is really pretty. I kind of enjoy doing this. This sounds good. Oh, wait, am I ripping someone else's song off? Let me think about that for a while. <laughs> okay, no, I don't think this is someone else's song. I think this is my song. So then you work on it, and you're like, this is really kind of all I want to do. And then, so for instance, this song, so then I'm like, oh, okay, I, I probably need a melody. I can't, probably can't just do this for five, ten minutes and have people <laughs> listen to it. So I probably need a melody. So then, so then you start to get concepts and... I don't do lyrics at all, but I do think uh, having a title of the song, or at least a concept of a title of the song, is very, very helpful. So this was this song was born out of um, being at the ocean and snorkeling and being with turtles, and uh, I had just had my uh, so I was kind of working on this groove, and then uh, we, we did this snorkeling um, raft uh, expedition thing. Oh, so so amazing! And there there was a sea of spinner dolphins that came along oh, to us right next to it, and I'd never wow. seen dolphins. Um, in the wild up close yeah. in person. So it was just this magical experience. It was amazing to see how playful they were and how athletic and everything. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll call this song Dolphins because Dolphin Dance is already taken. Already taken. <laughs> so we can't do that. But <laughs> I, I see why you come up with a song like that. So I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe I do something kind of like sounding like a dolphin. Maybe I, you know, because I, I want to convey the feeling that I have when I'm writing the song, when I'm inspired by the song. So I come up with a little bit of a melody like, um, Got a little bit of a melody, you know, and I yeah. think that's enough of a melody for me. That's something I can kind of sing to, or whatever. And then you, you're like, okay, well, I need more parts of the song. I got to figure that out. So, um, so okay, let's. How do I want to go, and where do I want to go? Do I want to keep this same kind of genre going, or do I want to do something totally different? And it really depends on every song. So then, you come. So typically, most of my songs will have an A A B A type format, and I think of everything in a jazz format like that. I think of it, you know, I was listening to, I think it was ESP from Miles Davis the other day, and he plays the entire melody twice in 28 seconds. And the track is 11 minutes long. So, and it's a great song. It's not a throwaway song that, da, 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 da. anyway, it's, it's really, really pretty tune. And, and so, so you can have a short melody and then improvise as long as you can improvise and mm -hmm. have, fill it up with intros and outros and whatever you want, then you can actually have something there. So, so I, I approach everything like that. And like I said, mostly AABA kind of go away to it and then come back. So, um, so I had this song where I was doing that. And then a bridge. okay, this is kind of cool, this kind of feels good. And I wanted to play it in, uh, in, this, in uh, this, I wanted to play this in uh, the key of F sharp, in this bridge here, because for the only reason that then I can have this open E and just go. <laughs> so that's the only reason why that's in that key is just because of how the guitar works and how it's tuned mm -hmm. at the moment. And then, so I'll do that a little bit and then,
that's it. And you got this ABA thing, so you have this kind of softer thing, and then something a little funkier, and then back to the softer thing. And then I can kind of improvise over the whole section. But I, I don't improvise like a jazz guy where you're going through the whole thing. I'll stay on the A section as long as I damn well mm. please. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then maybe just do the bridge section as an intermediate between the solos and the melody, yeah. and then go back. Or maybe I'll solo over the bridge section as well. And and you never have to communicate with any other no, musicians. No, it's all yeah. on you. Because, yeah. because it's all you. Yeah, and if I'm doing it with a drummer, I kind of just have to give him a nod, like, hey, play something different. I'm going to the B section, whatever. Like, yeah. Just yeah. yell at him uh, with your eyes a little bit. So how and, often uh, do you play it. with a drummer? Um, I like, I love playing with a drummer because especially playing by yourself, it's you're, you're in your he- own head too much, and it's nice to have conversations and be inspired. So I don't play with a drummer as much as I'd like. I mean, maybe one out of 10 gigs is kind of how many Mm -hmm. I'll do. But that's almost more economics than anything else. Because I found that if a place will take you as a solo artist, they'll pay you the same as a band, Mm -hmm. as a duo or a trio. And you just kind of accept your act or whatever as it is. So like, oh, cool, you're you're solo music. Oh, we don't do solo music. Or we do solo music and, oh, yeah, this is good enough. Cool, we'll pay you. And if you bring a drummer, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. So then you split your stuff 50-50 or whatever. And and that can be hard because it's not like musicians are typically getting paid a large amount anyway. So, uh, so if the venue is appropriate where they never have solo stuff, you know, if you're playing Boom Boom Room or Lagunitas (laughs) or something like that, even then, there's very little solo stuff. There's usually something a little funkier happening, a little louder happening. So, so then I'll bring a drummer out to that specifically, and I'll just pitch the duo to that venue. But other than that, uh, it's a lot easier to just do solo. It's a lot fewer people to coordinate, especially if you're going on tour. You're probably not gonna. I'm not gonna pay for my drummer. I can't pay for my drummer to fly along everywhere and take time off his other gigs or whatever to promote something that's my own thing. Mm-hmm. So I'll find whatever drummer is in whatever town yeah. and then coordinate that. And that's usually pretty easy. And I actually really enjoy that. A lot of times like I'll go to a, a place and I'll just go to a new city, I'll search the Facebook forums or whatever, or call them local music store. Oh, who's a good drummer? Okay, cool. And call them up. I'm like, oh, cool. Can you, can you drum? You, like, you want to do this kind of music? Yeah. All right, let's go. Yeah. You're hired. I don't need to. I don't need to hear what you're doing. You know, I, if you say you're good, if they say you're good, then that's fine. Sometimes I'll hear a little YouTube clip just to make sure they can play. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, and as long as that's good, then then no rehearsal needed. Here's some songs. Listen to them or don't. Yeah. I don't really right. care. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just gonna trust that you're a professional. I'm professional. We can communicate. It's really hard to train wreck with just two people. Mm-hmm. So no problem to just hire someone and just be like, oh, let's and let's see what happens. Yeah. And I won't even tell them the type of beat. I won't be like, okay, this song has a. I won't tell them that. I'm like, I'll play. You hear it. You play whatever you want. Yeah, that's you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the fun. Nice. is just hiring the musician to do to be them. Mm-hmm. You know, as 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 much as working musicians can be chameleons and oh cool, you want this Jimi Hendrix type vibe? Oh, you want this whatever vibe? Sure, I can get in that direction. But really, I want to I want to hire the musician for whoever they are yeah. and uh, and their own experiences and whatever they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And it's it's always interesting. Uh, sometimes it's better than others, but it's always interesting. It's like oh wow, I never heard that song like that before. And oh, it's interesting you're hearing it in that way. So. Um, so yeah, I play with the uh, drummers once in a while. It's great fun to do that. Uh, we've got some great drummers in the area, like Jeff White, mm-hmm. uh, Libby Cuffey, fantastic, and um, and a lot of great ones. So it's nice to be able to pull from a couple of different ones. So I'll book the gig and then see who's available. Yeah, and then, nice. Then make it happen. Well, you actually came over to the house once <laughs> to actually <laughs> yeah. um, play drums with me. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. I appreciate that opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it was yeah. a surprise. I, lo- I love me some drums, and I try and play drums as well at home. I have a little kid, and I've always liked doing that. You know, like the music here, the, the guitar is, 
is fun, but it's also work. But drums are just like candy. Drums are just like, yeah, I get to hit things. I don't have to worry about key. I don't have to worry about scales. I mean, you got to worry about a hundred other things, but Mm -hmm. it's really neat. You get to really be more textures and kind of glue and bringing everything Mm -hmm. all together. So it's a lot of fun to try and do that. And I feel I can competently do a couple types of music, just barely competently. But it's a lot of fun to to do. And and just like uh, with this eight-string guitar thing, you're doing two different things at one time. You're doing this hi-hat constantly, and you're trying to do this, and then yes. you're trying to do different things. So that, so that appeals to my brain. I think mm-hmm. it's fun to try and do different things at one time. So yeah, yeah I try and do drums as much as, I, much as I can, but for the most part, it's just this eight-string guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever work with singers? Do you ever have a singer call you up and say, I mean, do you ever play bass for anybody? Like, just bass? or? I, I did that for so many years, and I occasionally get calls for bass stuff, and I'll just ask them if I can bring this. I'm like, yeah. can I bring this anyway? And I, I promise not to overplay the guitar. Right. And maybe not play the guitar at all. Mm-hmm. But just to have the ability to do that, I think, is a lot of fun. Because I've got three bass strings on here, so I'm missing one bass string, and I don't find there's... Yeah, there's really nothing you can do. I mean, you can you can throw a couple more melodies, a couple more chords with that high G string. But other than that, I mean, the meat and potatoes of the bass line is right. Mm-hmm. So I rarely will do bass. If, if they want me to just do bass and call me for that, then I will, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll always ask if I can bring the hybrid instead and, and fill it out a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I love playing with singers. I, I play with my wife, who's a great singer as mm-hmm. well. And we try and do that, and uh, occasionally I'll back up other singers as well, and and that's always fun. Um, it's fun to not have to do everything yourself all the time. Yeah, it's really and and that gives you more opportunity to leave even more space, especially when there's lyrics involved, to where you're connecting with people on a whole different part of the brain. You know, it's you're you're accessing language center. You're actually you're thinking about stories. You're thinking about. Um, your own experiences. You're thinking about so many different things, whereas with instrumental music, it's kind of just broad. You're just kind of like the equivalent of seeing colors versus a specific picture. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of just experience it however you like, Uh, which is one of the things I like about instrumental music. But there are a lot of uh, difficulties that come along with that, for sure. So yeah, to to do with just a singer is fantastic. Uh, And that's what myself and my wife uh, do a fair amount of, and occasionally we'll have a drummer and then get to be kind of a full band at that point. Neat. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I like to play with whomever I can and it doesn't really matter to me instrument. I don't care if it's flute or saw or whatever, <laughs> yeah. vocals, you know, it's, it's always fun to just, to meet that individual in, in those settings, you know, and just talk musically rather than talk right. uh, about politics or something that nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> or everybody's on the same page anyway. Ah. Yeah, nice. Very nice. Wow. So you are really like technically a full-time musician. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been doing that for a while now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always played music, uh, but I've been full-time as, as my only gig for, I don't know, about eight years now, eight mm-hmm. or nine years, something like that, and just trying to hustle the gigs. And fortunately, being in this wine country area uh, that brings tourism, which brings more, more dollars around, and uh, so there's a, a fair amount of venues around it. And there's also with the wineries themselves, there's a fair amount of work mm-hmm. doing that, doing corporate events and uh, doing winemaker parties, but also being able to do live concerts. So I try and balance it between sitting there and being a potted plant to whatever, mm-hmm. an hour and at some fancy place and being ignored, but you're getting paid really well. Balance that with actually being on stage and having a ticketed event and people actually listening and maybe not getting paid quite as much, but mm-hmm. you're doing more your own thing. So yes. I try and kind of do both of those yeah. things and, and do a little bit of a balance with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's always a hustle. I mean, being a professional musician is just being a professional emailer. 
Like the yeah, I was going to ask about that. The the, the, <laughs> the playing is really is really a second second tier to that. And I mean, that's that doesn't matter so much. It matters more as to how well you can talk, how well you can promote yourself, how much you want to do follow up, how good you are at follow up and mm-hmm. phone calls right. and being personal. And then the actual music itself doesn't matter. I've gotten gigs just from talking to the bartender. You know, we're just chatting it up and I go to the venue. I want to play at that venue. I think I'll pop in and see what's going on and chat them up. And they're like, oh, hey, you seem like a cool guy. We got to get you in here. And I'm thinking, yay. And I'm also thinking, you haven't even heard my music. You have no idea if I suck. And it doesn't, it, to a certain degree, it doesn't really matter. So, so that's very interesting and frustrating at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so it's, yeah, but there's a ton of email and ton of that kind of thing is, is the hardest part and the, the majority of the work that I do as a professional musician. Mm-hmm. So you do all your own emailing and booking these days? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing that for a while. I mean, I have, um, I work with a um, wine country booking agency that gets me some of the corporate gigs that I would never know. I don't know if these people are coming in from Cincinnati doing a, you know, a corporate party for the best salesman. I'm not going to get that gig, but <laughs> yeah. the wine yeah. country people will. So I'll work with them. But for the mo- so other than that, though, I'm doing it all myself. So the wine country people, what does that mean? There's a group or a, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I work for um, Wine Country Entertainment as a booking agency that makes relationships with different venues. So when like a country club or something like that is having their event, they're like, okay, hey, we're going to have, they're renting out this room, they're getting caterers, they're getting the bar, we want live music. Who do you have? And then they'll, they'll propose five or 10 different artists that, that the, that the agency thinks are appropriate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then the venue picks the people, Neat. and sometimes you get picked, and sometimes you don't. Yeah, that's how that fair goes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely, more than fair, no problem. Cool. It can't yeah. can't always be the right thing for everybody. Right. That's right. And totally. I always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that's one of the interesting things about uh, booking and following up and this and that is, I'm always happier to get uh, a no from a venue than I am from no response. Yeah. That can be frustrating. I'm sure you guys True. understand what that's like. Yeah. And I, I, I feel for the booking agents because I know they're getting 100 Tons. emails a day or a week or something like that. So, it's, so it's, they're getting swamped and they're doing the best they can. So you, you keep that in mind and it's cool. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, if, if someone, they talk about you know, rejection as being so hard when you're in entertainment business. No, rejection, not so bad. I don't mind. Oh, n- not for you? Okay, cool. I yes. understand what I'm doing is weird and, and kind of a niche thing. So go ahead and pick, pick mm-hmm. that, that guy. That's fantastic. Yeah, that that's person is great. Go mm-hmm. for it. But, but the not hearing back at all can get tedious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is rough. I know a lot of, I hear a lot of musicians, I mean, basically resending the same email to the same people hoping for a response, you know, and that can be mm-hmm. a weird feeling too. It's like, am I just going to pester you to death <laughs> to yeah. get a response? I you mean, know, it's, that, that <laughs> conversation actually came up at a balanced breakfast meeting once. You've mm. been, to, actually, mm-hmm. I think, that's where I met you. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe, yeah, it. yeah. I try and hit those when I can. Yeah, at Balanced Breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's a, for listeners, it's a monthly, um, usually a monthly meeting uh, in the mornings. We don't really actually eat breakfast there, but it was started uh, by a guy in San Francisco named um, Stefan Aronson, I believe. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, and anyway, but it's just a group of musicians where we, we get together Um and we just, Great. you know, <laughs> we kind <laughs> of talk about, talk about what's going on. We usually have a topic or whatever. But this, yeah. you know, but booking was one of the topics once. And actually, um, there was a booker there who said how important it was because this booker apparently didn't, you know, sometimes respond to people mm-hmm. and said, it's really important that you 
uh, keep emailing, you know, mm-hmm. two or three times oh, because, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, things just fall through the cracks and they don't get back to you, but they, you know, really would like to have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. You got to keep that in mind, and which is, which is funny because you're like, oh man, I'm pestering this person. I'm sending another follow up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Another. But then you get that gratification and you're like, oh, I'm so glad you called. Yes. Yeah, so we got a gig for you next week. Let's go do this. And <laughs> right. like, oh, well, okay. I'm going to pester everybody 10 times yes. then. I guess that's <laughs> right, just the how one, it has to be. <laughs> right. The one thing is like you, uh, you, that you um, don't pester with a pester kind of attitude. Oh, right. like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm emailing you again. Hello, this Hello. Is the all caps. Uh, yeah, Hello, right. are you there? <laughs> you see yeah, me. We try, not, try not to do that. Yeah, exactly. That, that doesn't help. It's, it's all relationships for sure. So yeah, just mm. trying to maintain and, and make good relationships is uh, every chance you get is, mm-hmm. is, is the name of the game for sure. Yeah. That could be a whole course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, so, so we, we talk about the practice and the process and this and that, and the bookers don't care. They just, they just, they're just like, oh, are you available? Not available? It's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's really? fun. We have, we, have, we have some great venues around and, uh, and some really great booking agents, and I'm able to get out there and, and do my thing on my own terms, which is kind of nice. That's the nice thing about doing solo stuff is that you can really, uh, you know, I don't get hired to play jazz music or I don't get hired to play rock music. I get hired just for me. I give them a couple samples that are pretty diverse. I'm like, you want to do this, not do right. this? And then I get to do whatever I want yeah. on like every gig. Feel out um, the crowd. and Yeah, yeah, exactly. Feel out and, and balance what they want to hear versus what I feel like playing yeah. or what I think they want to hear, mm-hmm. yeah. which tricky. is tricky. Which is stereotyping to a certain degree. But uh, yeah, I do just go, go through the whole, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got to figure that out. So Nate, where the heck did you grow up? I don't know that about yeah. you. Oh, yeah, um, I'm born and raised in California. So I was uh, born in Visalia, California, which is near Fresno, which is kind of okay. the armpit of California. Yeah. Nobody really likes it there. Hot and in the middle of nothing. Uh, but I just lived there for about six months. And then I went up in uh, Fairfield, Sassoon, Vacaville mm-hmm. for many years till I was about 19 years old, just kind of hanging out. I went to the uh, Solano College mm-hmm. there and studied music, did the music program there, music theory, music for music majors and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, did that for a while. And then I started studying at the Ali Akbar College of Music in San Rafael um, with Ali Akbar Khan and did that for a couple of years. And then I moved out to Santa Rosa. When I was about, yeah, in about 1920. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's about 20 years ago. So I've been in this area yeah. here, North Bay, for ever since then. Wow. So yeah, it's a nice, nice area. I love California, but it's, it's weird. Too cold in Northern California. Like <laughs> you I said. are funny. Got oh to gotta get to the warmer <laughs> spots for sure, especially when yeah. there's frost. It took me 15 minutes to get on my driveway today. Oh, man. Frost on there. Nope. Really? Yep. Nope. Not going not gonna to play that game. Right? Wow. We're it's in no a fun. little, yeah, we're in a <laughs> little um, banana belt. Or wait, what is it called? It's called, like, maybe that's the wrong phrase. I like but that. Phrase. I don't know the phrase banana belt, but I'm going <laughs> to use it. That can work. <laughs> yes. I like that. We have it's a banana little bit, belt. It's a little bit warmer and a little bit cooler. Um, it's just a little more moderate right here in this area. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's beautiful driving out here. It's beautiful out here. Yeah. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, we always love to ask our guest, yeah. what is your earliest actual memory of uh, listening to music? Mm-hmm. Oh, like a that's significant memory. Like, oh, yeah, that was, you know. Gosh. Uh, I mean, I was raised listening. My mom really liked show tunes. So I listened to all the classic stuff like... Um, you know, all the Stephen Sondheim and all mm-hmm. the Andrew Lloyd Webber and that kind of stuff. And then my dad really liked stuff like Credence and Paul Simon and uh, Santana. So maybe, probably, you know, just sitting in the backyard and my dad playing, playing uh, something on the radio and just kind of that. Mm-hmm. 
you know, some sort of credence, some sort of BB King or something like yeah. that. I don't know if I have a specific memory of listening and hearing anything. I remember hearing Nirvana when they were on the radio on the hip hop stations in the early 90s. Oh, it was yeah. like, what? This is not hip hop. What's going on? What is all this stuff? So I remember hearing that for the first time, but I was already pretty into music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first record that I ever got was Puff the Magic Dragon photo <laughs> record, which is pretty cool. I was pretty proud I still got that. And, uh, <laughs> and then I got like a disco record and then um, whatever my parents' records were, you know, like I said, Paul Simon and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, something along those lines is probably hearing that. And probably first memory is really just hearing my mom play the piano mm. and whatever she would play. And she mm-hmm. would just go through fake books and play kind of everything. Wow. Play a lot of doo-wop stuff, a lot of 60s, 70s, a lot of show tunes, a lot of Irish reels, a lot of Celtic stuff. So, so uh, Jewish music as well, you know, going doing all that kind of thing uh, growing up. So hearing all the Hanukkah songs and Shabbat Shalom, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff yeah. as well. So, so that stuff goes, goes way back for me since I can't even remember. Wow. So yeah, that's a hard question to answer. I don't know if I had a specific thing, but, uh, but yeah, definitely heard, heard a lot of really good music growing up, mm-hmm. which was nice. And when did you feel like you wanted to become, you know, that you really wanted to do this for making your living? Oh, well, that's, you know, I was looking, I've been going through some old photos and old posters when I was a kid in my room and things like that. And it's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm like, I want to be a professional baseball player. But that's hard. And that, what you want to do and what requires you to get there mm-hmm. are not always compatible. <laughs> like, oh, I want to go be a doctor or I want to be a vet because I like animals. Yeah. But really, you have to go to a ton of medical school and deal with some disgusting things. So maybe you don't <laughs> want to be a vet. Maybe you love animals, but you don't want to be a vet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I'd say uh, I, think, I think if you have to ask whether I should be a professional musician or not, then you should not. If you have to ask that and you're like, oh, maybe I should do this. Then, then don't do it. Um, do something else. Do something that's easier. You know, have a day job that, that's easier and then play music on your own terms. Yeah. Um, but at a certain point, you're like, oh, no, I, I think this is viable. I think I actually i am I'm getting gigs right now. I'm mm-hmm. playing with these other people, and I think I could probably make this bigger. And even if I just did enough gigs, I could probably make a living doing this. Ah, screw it. I'm just going to do this. Mm-hmm. So probably, I mean, around... Um, around 14, 14 years old or wow. so, 13, 14, when I really started gigging more. I started going to college early around that time. So I was in the college big bands and the college combos at that time. So meeting a lot of those people and then all the other musicians at college that uh, didn't do the jazz thing or didn't do the classical thing. So I would go hang out with them and be in little garage bands with them and that kind of thing. And, and eventually you just do enough gigs and you get some stuff and some people say, oh yeah, you're pretty good. This is good. I want you to play with me. I want you to play mm-hmm. with me. So then you're like, okay, maybe maybe it's actually possible and you can make some rent on that. And then it's been just that steady shift from playing more and more gigs and then, okay, I can actually tell my job, okay, I want to be part-time now. I only want to work three days a week because mm-hmm. I'm losing too many weekend gigs. So mm-hmm. I, so you make that, but then that's that's such a sacrifice and then eventually... Especially with the help yeah. of a partner, uh, then maybe that, that, that can help you out to a little mm-hmm. bit more and make that jump. And you're like, okay, cool. So it's hard for this first year of just being a professional musician. And I'm not, doing, I'm not actually paying the bills, but I'm paying the, the cable bill. I'm mm-hmm. paying the water bill, but not paying the rent yet. So, so that's hard. But, it, but just more and more hustle and getting, and hopefully it's just this snowball thing where it just builds and builds. And, uh, right. and then you make, make enough money to where it's comfortable. So. Yeah. So but very organic. Just yeah, 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 very organic, and uh, mm-hmm. but it's but it's a hustle. I mean, every in addition to trying to get to a new venue, that's a job interview. Every at every new venue you go to, 
and every new city and every new venue there. But in addition to that, every time you play is a job interview to maintain keeping your job. I mm -hmm. mean, there's no real guarantees. I don't know too many musicians that have, you know, year or five year long contracts at a venue to where they're like, yeah, oh, if you have a shitty gig here, then go ahead. You can, you're fine. You can come back next week. You know, yeah. that doesn't really happen. You're only as good as the last gig you played. So you kind of have to constantly mm -hmm. be doing that, especially in the world of YouTube and Facebook Live and all that kind of thing. You never know who's videoing you at your worst moment mm. or at your best moment. So you got to make sure you don't have worst moments or else those will definitely be the time when someone's videoing <laughs> right. you and you put it up and you're like, oh, please take that down. That's not what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I've had that happen. <laughs> it can be, but you got to accept that as mm -hmm. being in the public. You got to yep. be able to just have exactly. everything be presentable at yeah. all times. So that's its own thing, wow. keeping up on for sure. <laughs> well, how about our next uh, famous question? <laughs> so musical fantasy question. Uh, if you could do any sort of thing related to music, just immediately, no, you know, you don't effort have to involved work or anything, you can just do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's playing someone or playing a show somewhere or playing an instrument or just something to that effect. What might that be for you? Oh, wow. Uh, that's probably pretty easy. I would just like to play the bigger venues where people listen as much as possible with with a fantastic drummer or maybe maybe someone else but like you know taking for instance uh like johnny vidakovich or stanton moore yeah uh yeah. playing a gig with them at a residency at the village vanguard there we in go. new york or something That's like that yeah. that would be that would be it for me you know i don't need to do anything else i don't need to be in a commercial movie or do anything like that or or tour along with beck or anything like that i mean these are all great things but <laughs> To be in a place where you're playing and people are paying money to see you and they're listening and they're interested in, in the conversation that you're having with the other person on stage or, or just yourself, that's, that's really all I want. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and, and hopefully money comes along with that. Hopefully you're selling tickets and this and that. Sure. But yeah, no, I would just like to... And, and I've had some opportunities to play with some fantastic drummers at some fantastic venues. So I've had some pieces of that here and there. But yeah, I just like... Uh, just the goal is to have it where I call a fancy, whatever club I want or whatever festival I want. I'm gonna call up, uh, you know, the Eric Clapton Crossroads Guitar Festival. Mm -hmm. Hey, Eric, there's Nate. <laughs> uh, oh, I think I wanna do a set this year. And they're like, oh, that'd be so great. Yeah. Come up in here, we'll pay you $20,000. Yeah, cool, that's <laughs> nice. That sounds that's good. My, that's my kind of gig, but that sounds fantastic. So, um, that's right. So that's always my goal is to just play that, that killer venue where all the greats have played over the years and just do your thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's definitely the goal. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, my favorite. Boy. Well, you know, one thing that I'm just really struck, struck by is just how hard you work. What a hard worker you are, you know? I mean, in your, in your practicing, your playing, it's really clear, um, you know, how, how much you've worked on your instrument and your music and how passionate you are and devoted, about, devoted to it, and it comes across in your playing. And oh, thanks. It's pretty that's, amazing. That's nice, that's nice and that's encouraging to hear because I always feel, you know, I, I'm not spending enough time on everything. I'm not spending enough time practicing this. I'm not spending enough time reading new music. I'm not spending enough time trying to book these different gigs and trying to book this. Oh, I've never tried to book Chicago before. Why have I not spent that two hours finding the venues in Chicago? So I'm always constantly down on myself mm. about that. So that, that's nice to hear. But I think being self-critical is important to, to striving yourself to, to actually get to where you want to go. I think it's important. If you're, if you're content playing the local pub, then maybe you never get beyond that. And that can be fine, especially if you're content doing that. But mm -hmm. I really do want to get to those bigger venues as much as possible, uh, as often as possible. So, uh, 
So yeah, thank you for that. I'm, I'm trying, trying to do what I can. <laughs> go home today and get on the email and yeah. brush up the website a little bit. Check some of the YouTube things and uh, and work on those Instagram followers. Yeah, it feels good to do that. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Motivated but kind with yourself. All yeah. Thing, yeah, all things balanced. But that's the nice thing about doing whatever you want is that I can sit there and I can play my favorite tunes and just play something funky and relax mm-hmm. and practice my craft. And then I can be on the computer for an hour and then I can do whatever I want. So kind of go yeah. back and forth as long as you're actually booking gigs. Yeah. That's, that's the, as long as that actually happens at some point, then you're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that it's just very clear the amount of time and energy you've put in previously up to where you are today. Cause when you play, yeah. it's completely <laughs> natural. I think that's kind of what yeah, that's you're kind of getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the time that you've put into getting to where you are today. is yes. pretty clear. And it's what's interesting about your playing too, is that it's such a like, you're so involved in the music. Like you must have such a good concept of all of the organization of the music itself, like the harmony and just, you have like a different perspective perhaps that like a horn player, you know, might Mm -hmm. have an idea of the melody and the, some of the harmony going by, but the kind of main purpose is usually the melody and maybe soloing over that. Mm -hmm. Cause that's kind of the extent of the instrument. That's what it can do. Right. They don't know about the ninth chords and the different inversions. Exactly. But you have like, all of the road mapping involved when you play and you kind of have to know that. So you have maybe a different relationship with the music and that's kind of what is so interesting to me. It's like you have like the book on this <laughs> song, like you know everything about it inside and out. You well, know? I, think you, I think you have to. I think I was, all that comes from not wanting to get laughed at um, really and that kind of thing in the way that uh, when, I, when I came up uh, studying at Salon College, I studied with an amazing uh, teacher, Delbert Bump, and he's still playing. He's a fantastic organ player, piano player. He's just ridiculous. And uh, he was also super, super hard on us, mm-hmm. especially the bass players. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody oh, yeah. else can whatever, but if you're a bass player there and you're out of time, you're mm-hmm. out of tune, you don't know what you're doing, then, then the, the whole group of 30-something people doesn't work mm-hmm. if the bass player is not happening. Same thing with the drummer. So, he would, so if you were a bass player or a drummer in his group, uh, in his classes, and you did anything remotely wrong, he would stop the class and yell at you for like a half hour, an hour. <laughs> no, no. And at least, and just berate you, and people would wow. leave in tears. Yeah, and, and that was really good for me. I really enjoyed that. Um, I really appreciate it, because all you have to do is tell me that and embarrass me, like, oh, what are you doing? You sound like crap. What's wrong with you? You don't have any time. You don't even know your scales. What's, what's wrong with you? You know, come on. And like, oh, man, okay. I'm going to go home yeah. and learn that. And, I'm, and next time, I'm not going to have that problem. Next time, you're not going to say a thing to me. You're going <laughs> to yell at the horn player because I'm going to be on my stuff. Sure. So that's really where that comes from. And, and also, I was, was always surprised seeing other musicians, you know, famous musicians who are just legends in what they do. But then you'll put them together with, you know, a blues guy or, or a jazz guy and like, hey, let's jam this tune. Do you know this tune? Oh, I don't know that tune. I can only do this stuff. I can only do my stuff. I... I would run into that once in a while. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be able to play with anybody. So, oh, you want to play, you know, old time country music? Let's do that. I understand the workings of that. Let's let's go have a good time doing that. So I always wanted to just have enough in my wheelhouse to where I wouldn't be embarrassed if I was on the spot. And then also I could just actually have fun in any kind of setting. Because like uh, my mom used to live out in Arkansas and they just did old timey gospel music. Mm-hmm. Um stuff that I'd never even really heard of and, uh, and you know, by and by and a lot of Hank Williams tunes and this and that. So I wouldn't even understand how the music works. So I, here I am, I'm like, cool, I'm, I'm so good. I can do all these scales and it's so cool. And look at all these funk tunes. And I go out there on the pick and park with the bench with all these other people and be like, okay, what do you want to play? And I'm like, oh, 
in this context, I can't do anything. Yeah. Like I sound ridiculous and just and superfluous and just not actually doing anything of substance at all. So then you mm. go and you learn that kind of music and then you're like, okay, cool. I can, I can sit on picking square. I can mm-hmm. go do whatever. So when you talk about, then I went, go, then I went and I work on learning that kind of music. So do you listen to records and you sit and play or you, you, how, how does that work for you? Yeah. I think listening is the most important thing. Um, whenever I'm teaching a, a student that's, that hasn't been playing their instrument their whole life and they're just picking up, you know, I'm teaching a 50 year old how to play guitar for the first time. I was telling them, you've been a musician your whole life. You've been training. You just don't have the mechanics worked mm-hmm. out. But right. you know what sounds good. You mm-hmm. know what sounds bad. And you may even have an idea as to what you want to say. And that's the biggest thing. Everything else is just details. Yeah. And, and you can work that out with a metronome and a little bit of exercises. And then you can get to where you want to be. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of listening. Listening to good music, mm-hmm. I think, is important. And I think it's also important to recognize what is good music and what is bad music. And I think that's okay to say there is such a thing as bad music. There is such a thing as good music. And also be aware that, okay, this is crappy music, but I like it. Or this is really good music, and I don't like it. Like Joni Mitchell, for instance, is this fantastic singer and really interesting <laughs> stuff going on. I can't stand listening to it. Sure. I, I hate it. I don't, I don't want to listen to it. But not taking anything away from Joni Mitchell. Obviously, she's fantastic. But that's an example of good music that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And then, but also, there'll be something like some Britney Spears stuff or um, I'm Blue, Abu <laughs> I kind of like that song. That's terrible music. That's not good music. Just because I like it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's good music. But so what I defines... What defines those judgments as good and bad? Uh, if it's if it's artistically relevant, I what think is important. Mean, well, does it say does it say anything at all? Does it make you does it make you emote? Does it make you feel one way or another um, for for any particular reason other than oh you know and that's you have to be able to separate like oh I heard this song during the Super Bowl my team won. So I really like this song. And, and then you like the song for other reasons. The song mm-hmm. may not actually be a good song. But you're saying, yeah, what, what actually judges? Well, I, I think anybody who's listened to a fair amount of music um, can judge that. I've listened to a lot of music. I've listened to, you know, so much endless Miles and Coltrane catalog and so much Bach and Beethoven, and so much Debussy and so much Nirvana and so much Santana and, and all this stuff and just trying to really get into, I was always interested to hear, oh, you like this band and everybody likes this band? Why do you like this right. band? And really try and get into it, just like Coltrane or something like that. You may hate Coltrane at first and then you get into it and you're like, oh, I see why they like that. Or listen to Green Day, like, oh, you guys like this? Why do you mm-hmm. like this? And then you get into it and you hear it and then eventually over enough listening, you come to be like, oh no, this is cool. There's yeah. something here. And then you listen to stuff like, um, uh, what I was listening to the other day, it just came on the radio, the uh, Fancy from... Uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's terrible music. That's really bad music. It's culturally appropriated just uh, like to the highest degree. It's also, there's, they're not saying anything at all. They're not making any kind of statements like, be good to your fellow mm-hmm. man. Right, nothing or, or be empowered in yourself, you know, however they're saying, they're not, they're not saying anything whatsoever So there's something there. about values with mm-hmm. you there, you know, so if, yeah, to with a the lyrics degree. and the values, so even though there's a Britney Spears song that you might like, it's got something in it that hooks you in, mm-hmm. and yeah. yet you're going to label it as bad because maybe um, the lyrics aren't something that you value or it doesn't, it doesn't hold meaning for you, but there's still something within the, 
the notes or the rhythm or whatever it is that yeah. you that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, something that you that mm-hmm. you entertain with. I mean, there's a, I think the majority of music and especially pop music is pretty much just baby 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 I love you. And that's cool, but you know, Stevie Wonder already said that better. Carol King already said that better than you're saying it. Mm-hmm. So, and and I and I do say that that's better. Yes, Stevie Wonder is a better songwriter than 99% of the songwriters out there. Absolutely better. Not just that I like more, but but yeah, better, more more complex, more deep. In, on every level, on every level. And that's not saying, you know, music, music has to be deep or have a socially conscious message to be good. You can have like, um, you know, Easy e talking about talking that trash, I'll pull your car and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and that's cool, man. There's, there's cool hooks to that and there's something that you can gain from that. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and I do think certain things, you know, like Snoop Dogg makes some good music. Mm-hmm. I think that's some good stuff there. But yeah, you know, you, you can definitely get into arguments with people back and forth as to where that line oh, totally. is. Yeah. And, totally. but, but I think there is a line. I think there is good art and bad art. I guess I just don't like those words, good sure, and bad. A lot, of, a lot of people don't. A lot of people For me, don't. those, yeah, I, it's like, do I like something? Do I enjoy something? And then actually be really specific, you know, about what I'm a, what yeah. I'm noticing that mm-hmm. I enjoy or that I don't enjoy. Um, there's something about the words good and bad, I think, in general that are yeah. disturbing to me. Well, totally. I think because, because, yeah. I think part, part of it is also like, I guess we're just, as a culture, used to giving that sort of label. But really, if I'm saying something's bad, I'm just kind of telling myself I'm not going to entertain it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for everyone else either. You know, I think maybe the connotation is skewed. If we, sure. you know, I say things are bad, but what I mean is I'm just not, that's just not my interests. It, I know mm-hmm. it's good for other sure. people and that's fine. But for me, it's just, it doesn't bring me a value that I'm looking for, right? Well, here's, so, sorry, go ahead. I yeah, no, 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 go ahead. Well, here's an example of, of a couple things that I would say are bad music. Like uh, to be super controversial, and also to talk about what you <laughs> real quick talk about, you're saying you don't like good and bad music. You don't like those labels. I think a lot of people. I mean, we are what we like. We're not what our ancestors did 200 years ago. We are what we like today. We are how we choose to dress. We are how we choose to have our hair. We are who we what movies we want to watch. That's who we are as people. We are what we like. Um, mm-hmm. I think a large degree. So when you're insulting something that someone likes, you're insulting who they are. And, mm-hmm. and the ego comes into play so much. And I think that's why people don't want to say this music is bad music. But, but you also have to give yourself license to like bad music. If you give yourself license to enjoy something that's not good, that you know is not good, like for instance, um, car- candy corn. Nobody's going to say that's good for you. It's not good. So you have to give yourself license to be like, you know, this candy corn is total crap. It's kind of half birthday candle and half candy, but I enjoy doing it. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to enjoy it for whatever Mm -hmm. level and whatever pleasure it gets me. That's fine. But you have to acknowledge that candy corn is not good for you. It's not good. And music is the same way. Yeah, you know. And so I would say, well, candy corn, you know, well, I happen not to like candy corn, but um, but just to keep going with that, you know, I might say I really like the shape of it. I think it's really a cool Mm -hmm. cone. I think mm-hmm. the colors are neat, right. and I like the taste. It's got this unusual taste. Yeah. But you know, I know that it it's actually good. not good for my body, and <laughs> sure. so um, it's not healthy. But I'm not going to say that it's a bad candy. You know? Sure. Okay. Well, and that's, <laughs> but I and think, that's fine. You know, maybe bad and good are just shortcuts for saying something else. I think you're right about that's that. That's quite possible. You yeah. know, I think yeah. maybe that's Absolutely. maybe we could leave it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think labels have Less always words. been a shortcut, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, of any kind, That's even even from calling something blues or rock or whatever, oh, it's always a shortcut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I run into yep. that trouble myself. I mean, you can talk about it, and if you guys can give me a good three-word description for what I do, that would be fantastic. 
I can't. It's very, yeah. very hard. And I've been working on that for many, many years, and that's really what venue owners want. Mm-hmm. But to give you an example of, what, of, of something that I would say is bad music, um, and to be extra controversial, we could talk about, <laughs> like, Led Zeppelin. So Zeppelin <laughs> is, is, was a fantastic band. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no arguing that. Fantastic band. However, Jimmy Page recorded some of the most disgusting sloppy out of tune guitar parts that I have ever heard mass mass played. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that you have now so this guy's, you know, I don't know, I don't know what Jimmy Pedge is, what why he was sloppy yeah. on certain things. I don't know if he's drunk or high or just didn't care or was just on. embracing yeah. the punk rock kind of I don't care and I'm gonna do it sloppy yeah. and I'm yeah, gonna do yeah. it. for whatever reason, some of his recordings on the Zeppelin tracks are are terrible. They're out of tune, they're out of time, they're, they're not skilled, they sound really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is now we have generation upon generation of people trying to sound like someone yeah. who plays out of tune. Yeah, yeah. That's not good. That's not good for anyone. That's not good for the players themselves. It's not good for society. We don't need people <laughs> attempting to do something poorly because that's kind of what they have in mind. It lowers the bar, I think, for everything all around. I don't know. I, yeah, I kind of dis- like, ah. I disagree. I disagree. No, no, no. But yeah. that's okay. No, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm all we, for disagreeing. I think yeah. I think that's fine. I think that's where we can get to more mm-hmm. understanding. And I can get to more understanding of what you yeah. understand. What yeah. you're telling yeah. you know, I think. But but yeah, I just don't want more people trying to do bad harmonies or yeah. do whatever. You, we want I, people to go to the highest level and emulate that. Yeah. You totally chose the most controversial topic in the guitar <laughs> circle. Ever. Just the right. first thing you did. Because yeah. everyone has it's totally polarized with Jimmy Page's thing. You one hand, everyone's like, that is like the way to be because you can hear his style. Like, that's mm-hmm. his style, that's his thing, it's his voice. And everyone else sounds the same now because they're too perfect. Well, you know, so it's kind of like. Go for that. But then there's the other end so, of the spectrum. So, what, where, his style is shortcomings? Yeah, right. So that's ridiculous. Is, his style should be more than that. His style should be his ability to play loud and soft, his, his, his choice of notes. But there's notes, so many but. shoulds in, in there. What about Thelonious Monk? And, you know, mm-hmm. how people, you know, he's just kind of like hitting those notes in this particular way, and he's got all these yeah. unusual sounds, and, and, you know, people are trying to copy his mm, style true. of playing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you could say, oh, well, where's his, his special touch? Or there's like, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that you could, judgments that you could make about that, um, you know, people trying to copy that style. But I don't know. I think one of the reasons why I have the issue with the good and the bad is because it's so, I think that in relationships in general, it's so easy to use um, these words that are are actually judgments, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, it, I, at least personally, I see that it's in my relationships when I use those kinds of words, those descriptions, instead of using, um, saying something specific, mm-hmm. that it's very easy to get into an argument about it. Sure. Because somebody's, well, you know, you just slammed that door. Well, actually, no, I didn't slam the door. You know, well, mm. um, you, you hit, you know, that door. I, I felt kind of scared when I heard that sound. Yeah. You know, and or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a lame example, but um, yeah, get, get I think you get what I'm saying. So yeah. I think that I'm very into language, and I notice that there's, I don't know, I really want peace and I want communication, <laughs> clear <laughs> communication, and maybe just absolutely. being more detailed about, you know, like that song Toxic by Britney Spears yeah. or something about that, song, that song or whatever. You, you know, I happen not to like that song, but, yeah. but you know, a lot of people like that song. But, you know, if you can say, like, what's specific, you may call it, like, some, you know, maybe you don't, um, 
revere the musicianship around it, but there's mm -hmm. something magical that you like in that song for you. Sure. And maybe you can even name what those things are. It just makes me feel like this, or there's that, that rhythm, or there's this kind of like nasty thing, or whatever it is. Right, right. But to be specific about it, mm -hmm. as opposed to... And I don't. I feel like I'm now picking on your language. <laughs> picking on your language. No, I appreciate it. But, I think it's important to get you know, to truth. Yeah, because um, I just think that when we can be specific about things um, and take ownership for them, that it's helpful Absolutely. in relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's important to be able to be articulate and to not just dismiss something completely. That's, that's the other thing is that we shouldn't dismiss something completely because it's bad mm -hmm. and we shouldn't embrace something completely because it's good. Well, so we, yeah, we need there, to be yeah. able to yeah, separate yeah. those mm -hmm. things and then we can talk and use terms bad and good a little bit more useful. And, and, and to, so, so is playing out of so, tune when you don't mean to play out of tune, is that acceptable? Is that good or bad? So, so right. this is the thing with the good and bad. They don't, what you just said actually mm -hmm. has more... Um, Meaning for me, it's more descriptive because you said when somebody's playing something out of tune and they don't mean to be, is that good or bad? Well, for me in general, the, those words good and bad, don't, they just don't really mean anything. I need okay. to know the specifics. So you just gave me a specific. And so I would say if someone is playing out of tune and I would like to hear them be in tune, then I'm not enjoying the music. But mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, well, this mm -hmm. totally sucks. But I'm, you know, I would appreciate more musicianship, or you know, like I just really like to hear the notes being in tune, and it, you know, it's not as enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. But there's sometimes there's like a vocalist that's not, you know, in tune or or whatever, perfectly in tune, but there's so much um, feeling or emotion or just you know, occasionally that might happen with somebody, but it's you know, not the end of the world. Yeah. Even though, like, right. yeah, I, I guess. No, I hear that with especially with the vocalists. I agree mm -hmm. with that. I, a lot of my favorite vocalists aren't perfect pitch you know oh, of course dudes, yeah or girls in that right. case you know they just have a feel they have a vibe and they really express you know but, but I, I, I do but yeah. I do feel like you know if I'm listening to somebody and their the instrument is out of tune for example mm -hmm. um I might feel slightly annoyed you know and it's like that I'm not enjoying it as much well how many things can you stack up then so they're out of tune they're not playing in time. And these are all things, again, that they're not doing on purpose. Right. You want to detune your guitar. You want to be Ornette Coleman, whatever. You want to play all the outside notes. I you want to play just, out of time. Then, that, then that's fine. I would but if you're not doing it on purpose. Right. I would say I'm not enjoying this music because of mm -hmm. these things. Yeah. As opposed to, it's just like, a, a, it's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, is the word I'm looking for? Semantics. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure. really, it's just, yeah. we're talking about language sure. right now. But... And what I'm thinking, and what, and what I'm usually really using the terms good and bad for is really, they're just substitutes to me, is, is this beneficial to you and is this beneficial to society? That's what I mean by good. So mm -hmm. I would argue that being in tune, if you want to be, if you don't want to be, that's also good. Um, being in tune, not being in tune on purpose is a good thing and that's good for yourself and it's good for society to hear some things purposefully out of tune to break them out of this crazy 440, 12, 12 tone yeah. system. You know, let's break out of that and let's actually challenge that a little bit. So I think that is yeah. good. So I think that is beneficial for society. It is beneficial for yourself because you get something out of it. But what if you're playing out of tune because you don't know how to tune your guitar? Mm -hmm. What if you're playing out of time because you never, because you couldn't be bothered with learning how to play in time? Mm -hmm. I'd say that those things are detrimental to yourself mm -hmm. because you're doing yourself a disservice. 
as a musician, you're not getting to where you want to be. You're not sounding as good as maybe you want to be or sounding as good as you could just right. by simple tweaks. And I say that then when you're doing that in, purpose, in public, then you're doing a disservice to society by putting out low quality music mm -hmm. that will turn people off um, and just pre because of your own laziness. Um, and then, 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 this, then this doesn't sound good. And then what happens when that person went to go see live music and it was bad? It was out of tune and it was out of time. So we won't use the word turn bad. It's just it was out of tone, it was out of time. So it made the concert hard for me to listen to. Well, next time someone calls me up and says, hey, you want to go to the pub and go hear this band? Eh, no thanks. Mm -hmm. I don't care who they are because the last music I heard hmm. was out of tune and out of time. At that particular venue. At that particular venue, wow, yeah. Okay. So, so I argue that playing mm -hmm. out of tune and out of time in public is bad and then it's bad music and it's bad for society and it's bad for other musicians because you're bringing down the bar and you're not you're not putting it it's, it's the same thing if you put a bunch of crappy movies out there in the movies nope i don't want to go see the movies anymore nobody you know, the Can movies you, are do you know the now. michael jackson song you know I i'm do. bad oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be an appropriate, appropriate one to do Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I do a couple of Michael Jackson tunes. But yeah, that's, okay, well, that's, that's a whole nother mess of yeah. worms is yeah, yeah, can yeah. you still play Michael Jackson songs? Oh my God, songs? yeah, that mm. is another can of worms. Because that's a whole different type of good and bad right there. <laughs> right, so. that is, yeah, now we're getting a little more political as we go. Yeah, right, which is, I don't know. Yeah. We but but that's, what, that's just what I mean by good and bad. Is, well, is, it, is it doing yeah. good, a service to society, the community, and, and yourself? Or is it doing a disservice to yourself and the community? Then mm. that's where I draw the line, for mm -hmm. me personally. Yeah. So I will, I will call something good or bad. Sure, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's been an interesting, an interesting conversation. Interesting yeah. yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Hmm. Can you play a chord that makes you feel the way you feel now? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> there it is. A little, a little confused, a little, a little out of tune, a little, uh, a little dissonance. Yeah, but cool. this is also something healthy and dissonant. Yeah, and you know, yeah, we've got the contrast. You know, you can't just have nothing, eat nothing but Sundays mm -hmm. every day and ice cream. I mean, you have to have a little bit of contrast. It's, yeah, that's where the fun and is. conflict too, because yeah. you know, one of the, I I took a, I did a two year uh, program mediation pro training program mm -hmm. to learn actually how to be with conflict in a more conscious way. Yeah, because um, I was kind of basically terrified of conflict and conflict avoidance. And but anyway, one of the, the one of the measurements that they had um, <clears throat> at the end of our training for how well we digested the material, as opposed to how good we were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> were um, you know on a scale of one to ten, how comfortable are you now with conflict? Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, the higher that number, um, the better they believe that we've learned. The material makes sense, yeah. but don't, doesn't yeah. doesn't doesn't it go over the point to a certain point where you actually like conflict to where you actually start conflict? You're no. like, I like it. I'm so comfortable with <laughs> yeah. it. I need it. No, Does it no, not no, get that? no, more about no, not at all. Okay, good. Yeah. No, to be well, comfortable with just... it means that you can actually, um, and that you do well. And that's a whole other discussion. Actually, I don't want to open that can of worms <laughs> yeah. because it's a whole different yeah thing. But right anyway. But yeah, yeah, well, that's what music is, though, is is conflict and resolution. Mm -hmm. And the greatest songs, like I remember, um, I, I listened to this like hour long um, talk on "Over the Rainbow" mm -hmm. and why that song is so good. The song is nothing; is only conflict and resolution. It's just longing, and then that that satisfaction of being home. Don't. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
And then you're like, ah, so you have this longing in a home. And then it just, the whole song is constantly creating that longing and then coming home and longing at home. And I mm-hmm. think that's that, and they argue that's why that song has been so timeless for so many years because it's just the melody is constantly doing that. So yeah, yeah conflict and resolution is what you need to have something yes. something interesting, I think, yes. in life. So we gotta have gotta have that. So I appreciate all these discussions about this. Yeah. And yeah. Letting me talk about my <laughs> opinionatedness about mm-hmm. good and bad and this that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But yes. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really good now. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody's comfortable. Everybody's comfortable. That's good. So what else? What else, Nate? Oh, whatever you want. What else? Um, <clears throat> so, what would our resolution, our like nice resolution, be? Have we had it yet? Like, after that little bit of. Well, I think the I resolution, think, to yeah, a certain degree, just, is agree to disagree yeah. about mm-hmm, a couple yeah. of different things, and I think that's a beautiful thing if mm-hmm. you can actually on that, because I think there are a lot of. St- um, topics these days, especially politically, where you cannot agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. agree with you. I don't agree with disagreeing with you. You're an asshole. I'm not going <laughs> yeah. to freaking... But, but I think in certain things like this, especially in art conversations, I think you can definitely agree to disagree. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think a lot of times we're just arguing the same point. We're just using different, different words. words. Totally. And I think we both agree that, that certain things are beneficial and, and detrimental, but, mm-hmm. but, we don't, but we don't want to use the word bad or the word good because it has so many different connotations and it's such a personal attack or or that kind of thing so i think it's good so i appreciate that and maybe i shouldn't say things are just outright bad maybe i should look into that a little bit more and that but i do i do do a certain amount of work with for that um and ask people oh, why do you like that yeah. mm-hmm. what, what is this oh yeah. and and sometimes you will find something you're like oh cool i really see why you like that why you know for a while you know when you're young and you're practicing all your scales and you're trying to find out what's possible on your instrument and you're listening to Aldi Miola and Ingve and all these guys and you're like, oh, this is amazing. So when you hear someone play something slow and with a few notes, you're like, that's bad, that's dumb. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. But really, eventually you'll start to come to the understanding that, well, maybe, maybe there's actually more to it than speed and complexity. Maybe there's something to saying less is more and that kind of thing and you start listening to Miles Davis tunes and with fewer notes in it, mm-hmm. and yeah. Beatles tunes with simpler ideas, and you're like, okay, maybe there is something to that. So it just comes to a more understanding. I think the most important thing is to be able to enjoy as much art and as much life as possible, mm-hmm. and and being able to just to understand where everybody's coming from, and yeah. and 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 probably, and and I and I'm just using the words bad or whatever to avoid things that I feel. I could be better spent, you know, I'm not going to listen to Drake on the radio. I'm going to go to Tribe Called Quest because I that's yeah. more personally fulfilling and mm-hmm. I'm going to have a better day if yeah. I do that. So I think that's really, mm-hmm. so So if anything, I'm just using good and bad just to help negotiate and navigate around <laughs> yeah. all the words. media. Yeah, just, just so I can, yeah, exactly. That don't really mean, necessarily mean it, just so I can make the most time and be as happy as possible. That's I true. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't use shortcut words, uh, we would not sleep when talking about these <laughs> right. things. You're like, well, on to the next topic for the next eight hours and the intricacies of it. You know, I only meet people for 20 seconds at a time these days. It's like, <laughs> I don't got the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Let me sit down oh and like God. really just lay it out as why you can Britney only Spears fit so many characters in the text. And yeah. Yeah. this takes too long. I'm just going <laughs> to say you're stupid. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how that goes. I think that, and maybe that's part of the language and that's part of why we talk this way is because we're stuck into tweets and stuck into reply spaces and that kind of thing and we're not having meaningful musical conversations mm. with people um, mm. anymore and, and it's why stuff like this is important to actually mm. hash it out and talk about it and 
get people thinking more. I think that's Thank always you, a good Nate. thing. Yeah, I think it's a good, good it's a service which you all do to the community. Thank you. Beneficial. Thank you. Thank you for this saying that. This is a good podcast. <gasps> Thank you. <laughs> what do you mean? We really appreciate that. <laughs> I think that's important. Yeah. Explain. No. <laughs> yeah, so this, this Details. Cool. No. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> thank you for saying that, actually. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's important. It's great. That's why it's, it's, it's fun to be able to come up in here and I get to vent, I get to play, yes. and then we get to also come to better understandings and... Uh, and have better relationships with each other and that kind of thing. So that's mm -hmm. great. Yeah, this is, this is cool. all, all good things. This is a yeah. good way to spend Black Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, better, speaking of that, guys. Better so. than being out at uh, Best Buy or whatever. Oh, my. And trampled over. Yeah. Or whatever for Ooh. the next thing that you're just going to throw away in five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's crazy. Yeah, so we're doing this on Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Hope you all had a th good Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. But Gratitude yes. day. And hopefully you survive right. Black Friday if you're into that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, <laughs> all the faces in here say, I think Black Friday, though, is I remember I used to work retail with Black Friday back in the 90s. And right when the Internet was about starting to become more and more popular as far as a shopping um, medium goes. Um, but before that happened, it was just madness. I mean, people really would break down the doors and really trample and this and that. And I think now that with internet shopping, you're like, I can get that cheap anytime I want. Right, I think so that is cares? a little more I think it kind of mellows everything else out now. I went, I went out shopping for Black Friday, I think maybe last year or two years ago for the first time in many years. Mm -hmm. And it was chill. It was very cool. I don't remember what I had to buy, but um, I think I went to Bed Bath & Beyond or something like that for some cooking utensils or maybe something that's like why. that. <laughs> it was yeah. chill. Oh, that's a crazy place anyway. Um, or Michael's or something like that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> You know, all it was was everybody was more staffed um, and ready, but it was actually pretty relaxed. And there wasn't that urgency. I think there's there's less of that because of the Internet, which is nice. So mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. Yeah, that whole Cyber Monday thing probably helps out. Yeah, and there's, there's discounts waiting. all the time. If we really need five bucks off this thing or ten bucks off this, we'll, we'll hunt for it or we'll whatever. We should just be buying it used off our buddies anyway. <laughs> help each other out that way. Yeah. So that's nice. But yeah, no, I'm not doing anything like that. I'm going to do this and I'm going to go home, play with my puppy. Nice. nice. Practice my guitar a little bit more and hit up some venues. Mm, Hopefully yeah. it's not inappropriate to hit up a venue on Black Friday. And <laughs> do you have a discount? Out. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'll give you a discount. Yeah, exactly. You book me today on Black Friday. There you go. Yeah. Never thought about that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, maybe we can hear a little bit about your you know, social media and any events coming up for you. As far as you're playing, have any gigs coming up or anything like that? You just want to plug anything? Yeah, sure. I've got all kinds of stuff uh, always in the works and always happening. Uh, I'll be at the Barlow uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Sebastopol. Well, this, this won't yeah. actually go out until oh, that's a right. couple weeks from okay. now. Yeah. So that is... Probably two weeks. Um, hope you all loved the Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for coming out to the Barlow. It was a successful gig. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I've got some other things going on. I'm going to do the NAMM show. Oh, uh, yeah. That's January, which yeah. I do every you know, year. I'd wanted to ask you about that in the podcast, yeah. actually, the NAM show. So what is the NAM show? N-A-M-M, oh, NAM. Yeah, National Association of Music Makers, I okay. think is what it stands yeah. for. So there's a few different musical trade shows in the world. There's Music Mess in Germany and a couple other ones and little things here and there. But NAM is the largest music trade show in the world. So... Um, and uh, so it's held at the Anaheim Convention Center over near Disneyland. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Anaheim Convention Center is one of the largest convention centers in the country. And this is their biggest event. So it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, what it is, is it's every single equipment manufacturing company you could think of that has anything to do with music will be there in one of those 
five or six buildings on one of those floors. Mm -hmm. So that means every string manufacturer, every pedal maker, every guitar maker, every ukulele maker, every Recording kazoo, stuff. Yeah. every kazoo, every every uh, lighting fixture, every smoke smoke machine, every uh, everybody who makes the little things to make you know every fret maker. So you'll have things with just a bunch of frets. You'll have uh, people, there's, there's a whole bunch of booths of people just showing you packing materials and the latest type of bubble wrap mm -hmm. and that kind of thing so you can, you can ship your instruments back and forth safely. Um, there's uh, the newest uh, products as well, um, you know, like air drums. There's drums where you have a screen and you just play and you can see on the screen that you're playing the drums but there's no actual drums in front of you, mm -hmm. but you can play them. Right. And that oh. technology is surprisingly good. So NAM is just so so it has all these things. So it that brings and it's not a public show, it's a private. So it's only open to three different types of people. It's open to um, equipment manufacturers, equipment buyers such as Guitar Center, musician friend, that kind of thing, and then um, people who demonstrate the gear, like myself. So you're a and demonstrator of the so, gear because so I've seen a video with you at NAM or something. Yeah, yeah, I do, <clears> I do that all the time every okay. year and go out and so you'll play for different amplifier companies that you endorse or string yeah. companies that you endorse and do a little thing and How does a musician a get to be one of the demonstrators? Um, are you asked? Are you invited? Or do you reach out to somebody? Uh, a little bit of both. So you have to first have affiliations with the company, typically. So like, for instance, I, I'm affiliated with Emerald Guitars, with LHT Guitars. I, I endorse uh, Jim Dunlop products, uh, EMG Pickups. Mesa Boogie Amps, ZT Amps. But what does that so, mean, though, when you say that you endorse it? Do you have um, affiliate links on your website? Or? Sure, I've got links on my website. It means I play the gear because I love the gear. Okay. Um, so I play it uh, all the time, sometimes exclusively, sometimes not, sometimes mm -hmm. with other things. Um, but uh, So I play the gear, I love the gear. I'll, I'll constantly be taking pictures of it, doing musical examples of it, yeah. and maybe get a discount on the gear or free mm -hmm. gear as well. I see. That kind okay. of thing. You've done like advertisement, not advertisement videos, but uh, what, do, what do you call it, like? Um, where you're showcasing the pickups or something like yeah, EMG yeah, TV and all yeah, that. Yeah, right? I do stuff for EMG TV from time to time. Yeah, and that's just showing off whatever pickups are happening right. in in my style and that kind of thing. So I guess if you're, I don't know as to as to how you get asked. I don't know. I guess how many YouTube views you have, how many followers you have, so, how much you, you're one touring. Does, yeah, one does have to be asked though. I, by the way, degree, I will never yeah. be one of these people. So it's this is not. I'm not asking for. Oh, myself, you never but, you never know. I mean, no, yeah. it just takes one hit single. And, and everyone will ask you to, uh, hey, can you say my, my straps are good? Can you say my piano bench is the best piano bench, please? Right. I'll give you a free piano bench. And you're like, all right, <laughs> take, I'll take that piano bench. But uh, yeah, so it's, so it's a lot of fun. Usually you're asked, sometimes you just go there and you want to check out the gear. Mm. You're like, oh, I've always heard of these different these guitars. I'm going to go check that out. And then you go meet with them and you play their guitar for five minutes. And you're like, man, this is a nice guitar. And they're like, you sound great playing my guitar. Can you come back? Mm. at this time and we'll promote this for the next show or for this show and come on back and we'll schedule you a 15 minute demo or a half hour demo and do you it. You don't right. get paid for that though, right? Not typically, it depends mm -hmm. on the level. I mean, some we, I saw Gloria Gaynor do some demos. I've seen uh, a lot of people uh, typically you're not so I'm sure someone's paid for something, yeah. but typically you're just you're it's just a relationship you have with the gear. You I know, see. at different artist levels, <laughs> at like the basic artist level, you'll get a discount on gear. At a higher artist level, you'll get maybe some free gear, mm -hmm. certain things. And at a highest artist level, like if you're Madonna or whoever's popular these days. Right. I don't know, Madonna's still popular? No? No. Damn. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're, <laughs> if you're a Taylor Swift, for instance, 
then everybody will give you everything that you want for free, mm-hmm. whatever you want, and say, please play this on stage right. so that I can have a picture of you or a video clip of you playing this because that's such a boon. Because then all the kids are going to see, oh, Taylor Swift plays Fender. I need a Fender to sound like Taylor Swift. Yeah, That's like the... The logic, which is Got it. Yep. which is a little bit flawed, but that's okay. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a really it's a really neat experience though. So because so when you go to the Nam show, not only are you in like the largest candy store in the world, you can just play with everything you want, talk to the designers of the stuff, but you can also see so many free concerts of all the legends of hmm. everyone you want to see. Like Joey DeFrancesco is there mm-hmm. all the time, so I'll just go sit there and I'll be this close to him, and he'll wow. just be playing. You can chat chat to him about whatever you want, and then hear these amazing kind of low-key performances because although they'll be on the internet it's not like you have a it's not like a concert yeah it's no. not like there's fifty hundred thousand people anything like that there's just whoever people can fit around the booth yeah without. a little circle of people basically yeah so yeah. you get to see these really cool things and one of the best things about that is you get to see usually just the artist without the whole thing without the whole band without whatever and just themselves yeah. and just playing and okay what can you do with just a guitar in this little booth in this tiny little amp that we have here and then you get to see just some incredible musicianship. And mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. I've got some YouTube videos of that, uh, some examples of that from other players and myself. Mm-hmm. And, and just, uh, yeah, it's a real pleasure to go out and do that nice. for a weekend and, uh, and check that out. So that'll be fun. Cool. So I do that every year. Thank you. Right on. It's fun to freak out the, uh, oh, you got to go. Go. Let me know. We'll, we can work it out. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, can, we, can, we can work that out. You got to get a NAM pass. Yes. But, but I'm sure I can. That be so oh, can work gosh. something out. Nice. Yeah. We'll have to get down there and with you know, school and stuff probably won't. Yes, yeah, always, always Next issues. Year. But one of the best things about True, going to the NAM show uh, yeah. in Anaheim is that the, for the people that don't know it's NAM weekend, they're just families from the Midwest taking their kids to Disneyland, mm. and they yeah. have no idea <laughs> why there's a hundred thousand aged rockers <laughs> with piercings and right, whatever and rude T-shirts, and why are these people walking? Why? Where? <laughs> that's like that's like one of half the fun of NAM is seeing all the people who don't know about NAM. Wow, <laughs> it's a trip. Well, Nate, this has been <laughs> a real pleasure. Yes, all kinds. Really you never, has. you never know which direction these things will go. Yeah. So that's always I fun. Love yeah, that. thanks. Yeah, thank you, thank you for Life having me. Fun. This was a lot of fun to uh, to come on here and do this. And uh, mm. yeah, everybody should check out the websites. I have all the yes. social media stuff. Everything is uh, Nate Lopez Music. So whether it's Instagram at Nate Lopez Music, Twitter at Nate Lopez Music, YouTube okay. at Nate Lopez Music, uh, Facebook dot com slash Nate Lopez music. Mm-hmm. So it's all that stuff. I've got all those uh, and then NateLopez.com as well. I've got a CD of solo on that's uh, that's this Emerald guitar. It's just mm-hmm. solo, unaccompanied, no effects or anything like mm-hmm. that. And that's called Innate. And that's available on the website and available. Yeah, a little wordplay, it's fun. But um, <laughs> so we have uh, yeah, that's available everywhere on all okay. the fine online retailers and that kind of thing. So yeah, check Wonderful. that out and okay. download it and write reviews because it helps and Everybody needs that. Yes, that's nice. true. That. Yeah, that does <laughs> Do help that. a lot. Excellent. <laughs> Thank now. you so much. Yeah, yeah you want to play us one last happy chord on our way out here? You want a happy chord? Yeah, I want sure, a happy sure, chord. Sure, Let's sure. get some happy. <laughs> How about... Right. Um, right on. <sighs> yeah. Thank you, listeners, for <laughs> tuning in. Um, yeah. Thanks again, and until next time. Yes. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>